0: You're listening to the USCA official podcast which takes you behind the scenes of eventing covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests and the latest USCA eventing news. time of year listeners on the osca podcast well we are going to reflect on 2023 uh, and wish you all of course a very very happy christmas break but it feels like there has been so much that has been squeezed in to this season and actually this show hopefully will be a nice little trip down memory lane because if you're anything like me uh, you will listen back to it and you think, God, that was this year. God, that was brilliant. And remember some of those sort of really key moments of the 2023 US eventing season. I'm delighted to, I have a full house of guests today. Rob, Lou, Dee are all with me. Rob, I'm just going to dive straight on in here because I feel like there's a lot to get through. And I'm going to start the ball rolling with possibly one of the most Emotional moments, possibly one of the most um, kind of standout moments of 2023. Plenty of people will kind of take you back to this moment in US eventing. And that was Tammy Smith's win in Kentucky. First US five-star winner at Kentucky for 15 years, but she did it for the West Coast as well. Take us back to, to the build-up this year and actually kind of how exciting the buzz was around the challenge from the home side going into Kentucky in 2023 yeah
1: no coming out of uh, last year you know we had some notable successes at Weg and, and elsewhere and so I think we were we were feeling like we had a chance but there's there's kind of been this hangover for 17 years or so of uh, <laughs> that, that the Europeans were going to come over and and just once again steal it right out from under us I mean it was I can't tell you how many times we'd come in and we'd have our favorites picked and it just fell apart in the, (laughs) throughout the weekend. But, um, you know, luckily it it worked out this year. I mean, uh, Tammy and my mom were, were fantastic. um, Just keeping on pressing, you know, we had a couple of, opportunities thanks to our competitors from overseas that they they allowed us to jump onto the podium. And, you know, I I can't I mean the feeling of Tammy coming off and through that 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 finish line was just, you know, I can't describe it. It was, you know, I got a big hug after the fact from Tammy. And I think I've said this before that I lifted her off the ground and I was a little too over exuberant. But uh, no, I was pretty <laughs>
0: I have to say, going into Kentucky this year, I would proudly fly the British flag, as plenty, plenty of people would know. But I was massively rooting for Tammy and My Bomb this year. Like that was for me going to be a really, really important victory for US Eventing. But more than that, kind of, they've come so close. The horse has been such a brilliant horse that it it felt it would have felt wrong if it got towards the end of his career and not actually won a five star. Um, Lou, were you there? in Kentucky
2: this year I was super super excited to be there and of course I was rooting on the my west coast uh, Tammy other than that it, it was just such an exciting competition and then to have Tammy come out um, as the winner was just fantastic um, yeah it, kudos to the west side of the the country west of the Mississippi venters are great
3: Cole caught that bug this year in a way that like I, I didn't know I, I, I didn't I kind of had it reserved for, you know, Tammy and Robert Kellerhouse and people. I just, I kind of put them all into the one West Coast bucket of, you know, shouting that. And then suddenly during the year, um, every time Nicole mentioned the Kentucky win, she would move it from a U.S. win to a West Coast win. Uh-huh. And it, it yeah, we had good we had good fun with it during the year, but it did, it does and did feel important as the, you know, we you know as we see events move there, as we move towards a focus, I suppose, m- maybe even before Paris, where we're looking at that LA twenty eight project gearing up. That particularly for someone who has led the West Coast project so vocally and rooted for so long for for West Coast eventing, for Tammy to be the person who broke that long that long run, Rob, um, it did make it even a little bit extra special for for the West Coast
1: growing up as a child of the the west coast you know we we always had our you know our heroes from the west cuz it is it's a different culture it really is and you know i i sometimes felt like those of us west of the mississippi um had a little chip on our shoulder sometimes and you know justifiably so we've had success i mean you know the some of the best of the best came out of the west you know and it's uh, There's a reason those who live out there say West Coast, best coast, you know, and it's not just because of sun, sand, weather and skiing, you know, it's there's there's something about the community that that really makes you want to root for it. Um, It is an American win. It's an American victory. Obviously, we're all more successful as as if every part is successful. But yeah, it was I'm not going to say, you know, I joined Lou and being pretty, pretty stoked, as I would have said growing up.
0: It's interesting as well, because actually last year Tammy came over to the East Coast, didn't she, to kind of do her spring campaign on the East Coast? Whereas this year, she's very firmly being based at home. So it is a, a really true kind of West Coast preparation victory as well.
2: Yeah. And culturally, you got to, you know, the chip on the shoulder is that um, kind of the acknowledgment. It's a different, what Rob was alluding to, it's a different type of eventing style. You know, typically we're we're hauling our horses five to 10 hours for a competition and we have it spread over a couple of days and there's a real sense of community when you're at the shows. We have more time to sit there and chat with our neighbors than um, what you typically see on the East Coast when you get in, you get your job done and you get out. And I think that's a little bit how it is in England too. So it's it's just a different style of eventing, but it it does really produce um, good horsemanship. Uh, you know, I'm up here in Seattle and I always just kind of joked that every competition that I go to from beginner novice all the way up to advanced has been an international competition because I was always competing with the Canadians at, at every level. So it gives you a new perspective of, um, of eventing and what it, it, what it means to be an eventer. And that our horses are always first. You know, you got one toy in the box, you're going to take really good care of it.
1: And can I throw in there too, like even beyond the the geographics of, I mean, Tammy's st- story, you know, I, like I grew up, Tammy, you know, I'm not going to say who's got a couple of years on the other, but we were in and around the West Coast competing at the same general time. But I didn't really know Tammy because at that, at that point in time, Tammy was, Tammy was A young mother, you know, she was raising a kid and had to step away from the sport for a period of time. And, you know, meanwhile, I had the the privilege of just running around like an idiot and and riding horses badly as as best I could. And uh, so her being able to come back to the sport and again, base out of the West, contrary to what a lot of people told her. I mean, it's so funny because in the East, a lot of people will tell you, oh, if you're in the West, you have to move East. And then once you get to the East, they say, oh, no, you're going to have to move overseas to England to really get the competitive juices flowing and really see what it's like. So for her to base at home with a support structure and then gain the experience by going and competing, but then coming back, it's just so much better for the sport. It's such an amazing story.
3: I think you can keep layering. You can keep layering the narratives, Nicole. And I think that's why we've come back to that as I mean, it's such an obvious highlight. There has been, Rob, you mentioned it. Why was there hope? Tommy went into Kentucky as the favorite, by the way, on um on the prediction center and on our on our expected numbers. Not not by a huge amount, but the first time in a long time. That we'd had a, that we'd had a US favorite going in. That we'd had um, a female writer as favorite going in. There had been that period of domination from um, from Michael and Oliver, kind of back to back, as we know. Um, but as you as you go through that narrative, that's the other piece. That I mean, you've got the you've got the journey, you've got the geography, and equally, then it is there are not that many. Female Kentucky champions, despite what we had seen happening around the world over the last five years, where we've seen Piggy March and, and Laura Collett, Janelle Price, uh, Ingrid, Roz Cantor, Julia Krajewski. Women have now become quite dominant in the sport, to be honest, at the top level, but we hadn't seen it at Kentucky. It stayed as that outlier across that period where you had Oliver and Michael back to back. We just didn't see Kentucky. Boyd obviously then took the Maryland win um the year before and again we just we hadn't got it it was the outlier so you firstly had the wait for an american winner all the way back to philip you then had the wait for um for a female winner and a female us winner like i think it was a kim severson and then maybe before that Karen o'connor but like you it's been a while so there was there was a sporting there was a sporting narrative there and that's that's if you want to stop at Tammy. And I know, Nicole, to get through a whole show, we'll have to stop at Tammy. But you can do the same narrative and layer that same narrative on my bomb, their story, their time out of the sport. They're not being selected for the Olympics. Going to Aachen in that pre-camp and the whole of Aachen in that pre-camp, thinking, who is that horse? I really hope I don't have to compete against that horse. And then finding out they didn't have to compete against that horse, because that was my bomb and my bomb hadn't made the team. Then to go to Protoni, um, there there's so much... There's so much having led kentucky the year before the year two was it two years before i think and then they went to badminton and then they had the kentucky win the my bomb story on its own is amazing so as you bring all those narratives together and that's what great sport is like you bring you bring the geography you bring the emotion you bring the long long wait like what a like what a story it ended up being and i think rightly i mean we'll talk on on lots of pieces of it nicole but be very very hard to top tommy smith uh tommy smith jumping that last in a in front of that stadium in kentucky what a silent stadium all those clears kept coming the clears kept coming and would you remember that sunday everyone just kept jumping clear you were like oh my what was it 40 50 percent clear rate you don't see that at five star normally it's about one in five jump clear at a five star we're sitting at home being like oh my god they've built their they've built a course for Tommy to win they've built their own course but she so had to almost, go and do it
0: you feel more like pressure they could it? Have built, yeah more pressure they've almost built a course that that makes it too straightforward because yeah, yeah, yeah. every mistake was being penalized so heavily um, because nice. there were so many clear rounds it was epic it was epic right we're going to talk about tammy i'm sure as the show goes on as well but i'm actually going to take us from kentucky to one of the key calendar moments in the year, which is the Intercollegiate Champs, which are held in May. Uh, this year, the University of South Carolina were triumphant, and the University of Kentucky took this for award uh, competition as well. The Intercollegiate Champs, day is something you and I have basically, as, as kind of across the pond, so to speak, we are so envious of this program. You are a, a huge fan.
3: Do you not know my team? No, I did. Would well, you want me I to did. tell you? Because I my wear their went. t-shirt. I but still. Wear...
0: No, I know you wear their t-shirt. Sometimes on Accurating school listeners, he just pops up with some Open University. Mainly to bed. Uh, Mainly
3: pop to pops. bed. Like it's actually Denise who's like, "Are you still wearing that Auburn <laughs> That big, like that oversized Auburn t-shirt? Like, it's perfect. It's my it's my team, and they were champs for so long. I just wanted to get on the bandwagon. Auburn, I'm still with you.
1: Do not diminish the accomplishment of small USC Aiken, though. I mean, come on. War Eagle, sorry. Your time has passed. It's Aiken Pacers. <laughs> I want to point that out, that the mascot of USC Aiken is a horse. Now, granted, it's pulling a, a cart or a sulky, but to the same extent, you know, it's so cool because if you check social media over the last couple of days, the city of Auburn actually put up this massive road sign that and directional sign to usc aiken that says something like usc aiken us eventing association national champions <laughs> okay, it's pretty cool
3: i love that it's a nicole you were kind of touching on it there but it's, a, it's a really special part of of us eventing which by the way like it it's not really replicated there is there is university and um eventing in, in various parts of europe uk ireland like there, it is a thing but not really not really like this you have it from you have it from football and you have it from basketball and you have a strong association with college sport and then it naturally flows in but then you got to make it happen and it's a huge it's a huge oh it's some of the things that make me just love america so much that you have that level um talk to us about 20 uh, 23 rob how did it play out
1: 23 for intercollegiate. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, typical competition, right? I will say Kentucky brought like what seemed like a hundred different teams like they typically do. Um, Auburn looked great. We had a couple of really strong squads coming in. And for me, I mean, that's one of the, the amazing things about the intercollegiate championships. And it's why really I got behind it at the very beginning you know I've been with the USCA now for 10 years on staff this is my 10th anniversary and we brought it in Um, we had our first championship back in 2016 Um, so to see to see it grow and to see like this has kind of always been my dream is to have little the little schools competitive with the, the big schools And we've actually seen like programs grow. I mean, the Kentucky program itself is massive. So it's of no surprise beyond the size, their spirit is just infectious. And of course, I think that's probably considered by the students, the biggest award, the spirit award, but no, I mean, it was, it was a pretty amazing competition there at Tryon. Um, I did not get to stay for the awards presentation, but I was there for the rest of it. And The camaraderie, you know, I mean, you see teams supporting other teams, you see, you know, cheering each other on. It's just, it's a blast. And next year, just by coincidence, the championships are going to be in Aiken, South Carolina. So we're going to the backyard of the national champions from 2023. So um,
0: that's pretty exciting. The Spirit Award is always my favorite bit because everybody gets so invested in bringing that kind of community spirit to an event. I guess it's all of the things that we love about the eventing community, Um, coupled with the enthusiasm of college students who absolutely love their sport and aren't afraid to really go a little bit wild. And I think that I just, I think it embodies the sport and embodies what is fun about it. And yeah, if you haven't already been listeners, um, put it on your bucket list. If, If you're in your college education, have a think about it. If you're heading towards your college education, have a think about it even harder because um, it could be a massive, massive part of your future. Um, right. I will continue to campaign for something similar in the UK. Right. Arkin. I'm going to move us swiftly on to Arkin because we, we've we already talked about Tammy Smith and mybomb a little bit in more detail. But I think it's important to kind of pick up now from a US team perspective, coming over to a really, really strong Arkin, which at Equoratings, we very much pitched as, you know, the last big opportunity for teams to go head to head against one another before Paris. Yes, we were going to have a European Championships. Yes, we we're going to have a Pan American Games. But there were going to be lots of different teams missing in those. It wasn't sort of everybody in one place. And we went to Arkan. The New Zealanders sent a very, very strong team. The Brits sent a very strong team. The US sent a very strong team. The Germans did as well. It was an unbelievably tough vintage Arkin, and I think the the standout for me three U.S. combinations finishing inside the top 10 with Philip Dutton and Z, Liz Hamilton mixed master seat and then of course Tammy Smith and My finishing in third on the podium. It was the first time the U.S. had had three combinations in the top 10 in Arken. They'd only had two I think once previously and that was Will Coleman when he had Off the Record and Chin Tonic both finish inside the top 10. Um It was a drama filled. Arkin. but actually the the end result with the US team taking team silver I think solidified the everything that we we've kind of talked about over the last couple of years building on that Bretoni team silver getting that Olympic qualification and then they really really meant business and it's very rare that when you've got three horses inside the top six or whatever it was that you actually end up with team silver and not taking the top spot on the podium I think there was some fairly frantic mental maths going on going, really? Are you sure it's only
3: second? They weren't mental maths. There were people shouting at me as it was being calculated. I was sitting there <laughs> with my laptop. We, always watch it. We, always, we were in Aachen. We ended up watching out, you know, laptops open, trying to assess what was going on. Um, just cool VIP in Aachen. We ended up there and what was happening was, so riders who had already completed, a lot of them were going there, some of them anyway, were going there with teams and there was loads of people there was huge screens there and like jazz music playing it was a bit like the atmosphere is ridiculous anyway i remember as like as you say nicole people seeing our laptops and being like like they've won it they've got three in the top 10 like you can't have three in the top 10 at and not win this you're right it has been building we've done these i mean lou is going to be you know presiding over a very different time to some of our predecessors in terms of like the enjoyment that you can um, garner from a show (laughs) like this when we have to do look backs like they haven't always been this good like we've we've done we've done many years like you remember some of those 2016 2017 try on 2018 review shows that we had to do and we were talking about like how it might work and what we might need to put back together and post Rio, we knew like okay it's not all on this one thing or post post try on it wasn't all on one thing or one phase and we've had those conversations so now when you build as you say nicole when you build back to back to back campaigns slowly and steadily and you're moving towards a big olympics in 24 and a bigger olympics again in 28 like it's so i don't know it's so it's so healthy like even even look at there's certain metrics there, Nicole, that on a, you can look at the Akin result. You had the Will Coleman one the year before where you had that or two years ago, I think, is it where, where you had that um it was definitely a turning point. It was definitely a moment when it when it felt very real, that actually first US winner of the most prestigious event. Then it kind of normalizes to put three in the top ten doesn't like it, doesn't feel wild. It actually feels okay. It doesn't feel like we won the lottery it actually feels like hard work has taken us to this place and it's a little bit more understated in terms of an exciting moment I would say but it's likely I I would expect to be one of those critical turning points that you look back on possibly this time next year where you say remember when nobody really got that excited about us having three in the top 10 at Aachen quiet slowly getting the job done is what it felt like that's what the Brits and and the Germans did for years and it and, and then suddenly we were surprised that they were winning championships. I think it's I think it's kind of similar in this situation now.
0: It also felt a little bit like, actually, they weren't just delighted with a team silver. They were disappointed not to have taken the team gold. And I think that, that speaks volumes of the the winning mentality. Um, Which
3: compare it to the year before, Nicole, because they came second the year before, didn't they? Yeah, um, uh, a couple
0: it, of years ago, I think it was. Sorry, it was uh, the, the, the same Will as the Will,
3: Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But that felt like, oh my, that felt like, oh my God. We've come yep. second at Arkin, and, yep. the, and the Will Coleman thing was amazing, but like the team have come second and it was only by a second, but it felt like more like winning the lottery than it did in 2023, which felt like, yeah, we've come second. We've three in the top 10. It felt much more normalized.
0: To put it into context, listeners, um, Aachen is, if you're not familiar with it, the strongest four-star short competition that there is in the world. And I think, of the highest rated fields at four-star short level over the last 12 years or so, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, Arkin is eight of the top 10, something like that. And this year's was one of those highest rated. It, it was unbelievably strong and the U.S. absolutely held their own. Um, let's go, Lou, on to the AECs because back in Kentucky this year, it's always such a massive, massive part of the U.S. venting calendar. And it feels like a real celebration. You know, we've talked a lot about some of the high performance athletes so far on this show, but actually the AECs is all about kind of riders from the very lowest level all the way up through the grades and giving lots of different people the opportunity to compete, one, it's just an iconic venue, but two, in that real championship format. How would the AECs be you this year?
2: This is my first time actually going to um, the AECs being uh, Vanna. Um, handing out the prizes and and just applauding all the champions that were there and for me it was that was exciting uh, uh just just to be there and to watch good competition and just to watch the excitement that at all levels people have for eventing and what I did there I had a um a jean jacket that has this big bold lettering on the back of it of u s e a and what I decided to do is put it at the table for the the media. After someone won all their prizes, they would go up and they'd um, do their media talk. And I had a Sharpie there and I had them sign it. And it was it was so much fun to sit there and listen to the stories of their journey and their experiences of venting and how they got to the AECs um, as they're signing this jacket. It was just, it was it was fantastic. It, it, it just for me, that was a reflection of the journey that all these people are taking and what eventing means to them. It it gets you excited about next year, about what what is coming up in the, the ranks and what what's coming, what's you know, these these are lifelong eventers now and, and our sport's doing great. <laughs> we have fantastic people that are invested. And what eventing is in the United States, and that was it was such a privilege to be at the AECs listening to their stories. I want to tell at
1: least one story, <laughs> and it won't take long, so I'll be quick. Like first, I could brag about how the national advanced champion was Mixed Master C written by <laughs> Liz Halliday, um, and it was pretty thrilling because it came down to literally one second, and um, it was like. You talk about the mental math, the look on Liz's face. Because we're talking about between first and second, it's about a twenty thousand dollars difference. Liz, as she came through the finish flags, trying to calculate in her head, did I finish in enough time so that I I I don't lose twenty thousand dollars? <laughs> because it did come down to one second, um, and and it was just and. And the announcer was Brian. Brian O'Connor was like doing the math as well, and we're like, Brian, just check the scoreboard. Just check the scoreboard. Brian. And uh, and and Liz turned and looked at it, and yeah, right there, and clear as day, she she'd won. So that was pretty monumental. Great story. But my favorite story did have to do with Lou's jacket. So. A local kid here to us, uh, Kendall Fansler, Um, and Kendall is just a fantastic little rider. But she's Kendall's little. She was in the Junior novice fifteen and under championship. Kendall, Kendall, like cleans house, wins from start to finish, ends on her dressage score of twenty eight point three. And the the sight of her sitting at the order's table, like getting questions from the press, and then being asked to sign this jacket. I had to walk over and, you know, I was kind of teasing her a little bit. I'm like, I'm like, so Kendall, you know, are your owners and sponsors here this weekend? And she turns to me like with the straightest face, this kid, and she's like, of course, they're all here. And I'm representing. (laughs) And I'm like, this is the AC. I love this event. This is the greatest thing ever. Cause Uh it really, it is about, it's about the grassroots. You know, it's about the adult team championship. It's about all that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's icing on the cake to have some of your heroes competing in the advanced class. But seriously, it's it was pretty fantastic.
3: It's Isn't it great to be able to go from Kentucky to Aachen to AEC and capture the stories within it? Because it does feel, Lou, you know, when you talk about sitting, listening to people tell their stories and, you know, creating lifelong eventers and recognizing the fantastic people in the sport. Aachen and, and Kentucky are, are the are the climaxes of where everyone dreams of getting to. But like, as we all know from all the other parts of life, like the end, the end is hard. Like one person since 2008 um, from the U.S. has won Kentucky. Like one person from the U.S. has ever won Aachen. If you're not surrounded by fantastic people and you're not able to have all those little tiny micro moments from AEC all the way through to, you know, adult amateur championships, through to convention awards rob and sitting on that saturday night as we go through award after award and the fun that we've had with that over the years like hearing in the little micro moments is such a big reminder for us as as a company spends all day looking at numbers that really i suppose it captures our side of it the numbers the data element captures a small, small an important but a small area of of what the the journey and the tapestry that is the sport it's a ah, acs are magic
0: it's also, I think, the stories from kind of where, how people, and you've touched upon it, how people make their A's journey and their story. Actually, the travel, the sacrifice, the kind of moving heaven and earth to be able to make it happen, because it really, really matters to people, and that I think encapsulates everything that you guys have worked so hard to be able to create this sort of grassroots championship that really is in the spirit of very, very top level eventing um and that's something that is very very special so I'm um, on from the 80s and we're gonna go we've got two big events to talk about still um I'm gonna start with Maryland which felt like I mean D. am just I'm just gonna give give you the chance to reflect on actually how important it is for Irish eventing to have the first Irish winner of a five star in what, 58 years, Boston O'Connor and Colorado Blue? That's huge. You and Sam were like two of the kind of the lone Irishmen in the stands going absolutely
3: wild. Actually, there was plenty of Irish there. It's amazing how, when someone wins, everyone just, everyone was running towards the, the little shoot when he won. And you were people that we hadn't seen all weekend. You're like, oh my God, you're here. But there was no time to, it was all the excitement of that moment the oh marlin was a huge success marlin was was fantastic this year and of course yeah from an irish point of view it was amazing to be there when that you think it was long you, know, you think it was long for you guys to win kentucky like 58 years waiting for an irish ride when you think of what irish horses have done around the world when you think of you think just look at caroline martin as a as a micro example and you look at how many of those hsh horses are going to turn caroline martin into the next u.s superstar and <laughs> they're all our horses. They're making waves all over the world. And actually we're waiting 58 years to win a five-star. But outside of the Irish success, Marland in general, you know, it's been a huge amount of effort just to get the event to take place. There's been so many committees and teams and behind the scenes work that's gone on to turn Marland into what it is today. And, you know, it took a, a time of, of settling in and of a, and of a huge team effort over the last couple of years I thought this year was absolutely magnificent, like the everything from the hospitality to the way in which all the sponsors interacted, the level of merchandise is like something I've never seen before. It really made me feel like the US know how to do this stuff. And it felt different, like the ease of getting there. I stayed in this absolutely mental hotel, like with hundreds, like thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of children it felt like when we walked in
2: well great we <we'll>
3: Lodge. watch <laughs> I've, I've honestly i've never known a, a wall of noise like it like it was about 11 p.m and it was this little cluster of like kind of um you know (laughs) traditional looking eventers like you know english men in tweed jackets standing in one corner of a lobby while uh, like cinderella and uh, all of her kind of princess pals blared out like as loud as you can and honestly probably 500 children sitting on the ground in a lobby looking at this massive screen and jock you know jock paget and sam griffiths like uh two badminton winners standing beside each other like totally you know can't hear each other over the music discussing what new zealand are going to do in maryland amazing experience sporting and beyond and i think you know when when we you know across the show we've touched on it the sport is a huge part of it the sport was it was amazing sport at maryland i think apart from the apart from the um the the irish story i mean to me a farley story was was huge um you know the the first was it the first i think it was the first u.s rider to make a five-star time on debut since Aww. sinead happened, which is a while ago maybe probably eight or nine years since it happened but um yeah brilliant brilliant sport and, and brilliant and brilliant beyond the sport uh, kudos to to jeff and ashley and the whole team there
1: fair hill international has been an amazing event for years but the idea of bringing the world stage to, to Maryland was something, again, we dreamed about. And for the last several years, post pandemic, you know, it did feel like, like a, the first inaugural and second um, Maryland five stars were pretty good. You know, there were, I know the Europeans came over initially and we like, you know, this cross country track it's, it could be tougher and the time could be tighter and the, it could be more competitive. And from an American standpoint, I mean, I think we've just been getting used to having that event on that point in a five-star in the States on that point in the calendar and kind of adjusting our training, um, you know, to it. And then from a spectator standpoint, you know, we've had Kentucky for so many years and it's, it's amazing, continues to be amazing. So the idea that we're going to turn around and go to a fall um, five-star here in the States, again, there's been kind of this accommodation period, but I'd say this was, I mean, everything came together this, this year, it just was fantastic. And I love I love the Great Wolf Lodge story because you know my hope is that in the future the the riders who come bring their families, right? And stay at somewhere like the Great Wolf Lodge. Because we all know that our kids would much rather be hanging out, you know, howling at a at a movie screen or some character than watching us <laughs> compete half the time. So so I mean, between that and I I do think. The team, everybody involved from the state of Maryland, the local community, they've, they have really stepped up and it has become kind of, it, it's now earned its place, in my my opinion, in that kind of pantheon of five-star events around the
0: world. Definitely. It felt a little bit like actually Maryland this year was really able to make its mark as a five-star. You you know, you, it takes a while to find your place. This year, it felt like we got that real stamp. Um Listeners, I'm going to have to, to love you and leave you because I am literally... <laughs> I can hear the noise. <laughs> Are you um, at the Great Wolf Lodge?
2: She's
3: at the Great <laughs> yeah, Wolf basically,
0: <laughs> Lodge. basically. my own English version of it. And I will have a very disappointed five-year-old if I'm not there when he opens the classroom door. So I'm going to love you and leave you and say a very, very, very happy Christmas. Happy New Year and leave you with Dee, Rob and Lou to discuss the rest of the show. But... Thank you for all of the support this year. And I'm going to go get my child. Working mum life.
3: Thanks, Nicole. This is Nicole's worst nightmare. So she's the most organised person. She has everything ready. She's confirmed on multiple times what the hard stop is. She's set agendas. She And then, like, she doesn't account for the fact that we're going to just get excited about Kentucky. But her, <laughs> poor, like poor Nicole. <laughs> Listeners, we all know. Before Nicole handing over to me at this stage of something like this is absolutely her her greatest fear. Um, it does it does ensure that we can kind of finish the show in our own pace, and it was important to talk about those. Maryland, Rob, I think you touched on it with the cross country because there was a feeling of those first two years where the time was gettable, and actually, as we walked on the on the Saturday morning we walked the course. The big challenge was um, as long as the time is gettable, like this. there's still plenty of questions here. I've talked to you guys about this before, but what I find interesting is obviously I don't compete. I can't, I don't, I've never, Lou, I don't sit on a horse at all. As in, when I say I don't, I've I've never (laughs) just once on a Mm -hmm. beach. So my whole uh, experience of it comes from listening to the greats and the access, I suppose, that I've been given to some of the greats. But I am... I'm in that conversation where I'm listening to Jock Paget, Sam Griffiths, David O'Connor, Sam Watson, discussing the Marlin course before it happens. And obviously I, you know, you can't, I don't have a standing to, to, to do anything other than listen, but nobody was saying, this is going to be easy. No one really knew how it was going to go. And then it got like, it started to get interesting, like watching it with Piggy March's owners and like Piggy, probably the best writer in the world. I don't say that lightly, but like when you look at what she has achieved in terms of completing a five star, I think it's one from something like 30, 34, 35, four and five star long format events. That doesn't happen. What happened really here? Now she did complete the cross country, but unfortunately wasn't able to complete the competition. That's only the second time it's happened in, I don't know, five, six years. We we will talk about Z and what a whore Z has been for so long. But Z, like Z, not to jump clear out of like it doesn't happen. I think Z was so underrated, possibly because he's not winning, but his his level of consistency is incredible. Boyd Martin, you look at previous winner, the success that they've had, Boyd Martin doesn't get around. It, it brought everything on the cross country. And then Rob, to, to touch on the commercial piece, when we got back to the Great Wolf Lodge, okay, there was a point where we were like, we got to, you know, we got to gotta get out of here gotta get out of the downstairs piece so we went upstairs to uh different, oh there's, it's so big god the Great Wolf Lodge it was so big I'm just thinking of it now like corridors rooms and rooms and corridors and corridors like we just honestly in Ireland we don't have anything like that we traveled with Marty with Marty uh, Bowman and I mean what a character what a what an asset he is to 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 U.S. eventing and uh or to eventing in the U.S. but he he brought us there. We had such a great chat in the car about that same thing. But then he was like, turn on the TV when you get home. And we watched a full, we watched the whole cross country on like Maryland State TV that night. Yeah. That was big. That's not yeah. something that happens. Like that's not something that happens easily. Paywalls are big now. Paywalls are a big part of our sport and it's important and it helps events get paid and it recognizes the, uh, recognizes the audience that we have but there are less and less and less opportunities for us to capture those new fans. New fans aren't going behind paywalls watching Maryland on TV that night in, in, in that hotel felt different. It felt different. It felt like a great competition being showcased to the world or to the state yeah. at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked, we at least here locally in Maryland area and in, in the sport, we talked for a long time about accessibility, right? And how do you make these major events more accessible and, you know, I think the dream when it was selected as the site for the five star, the dream was that you have easy access to Philadelphia, you have easy access to Baltimore and Washington. Um, you know, you can have the international flights come in. This location has—I'm not just saying—hundreds of millions of people within a few hours, car, train, plane, um, to be able to access it. So again. I think the future is, is bright for the competition. I think, you know, from a competitive standpoint, there was a really interesting stat. You guys probably you probably remember from a few years ago when we first ran Maryland and, and they did an elevation analysis. And they said, OK, how does the the change in elevation of this course how does it differ? You know, how does it compare to other events around the world? With Burley kind of being the big the big measuring bar, and Maryland actually has more of an elevation change than than Burley has throughout the course. And so for us, we were like, oh my gosh, this can be
3: really difficult. <laughs> for those
1: for those first few years, where you know, again, the Europeans are like, ah, easy, you know, and <laughs> and um, and so to see it, it's it's just it's amazing to see it coming to fruition. Another jewel to add on top of the crown jewel of Kentucky to have Maryland now entering the same, the same realm and competitively to have riders strong field, not just a good field, but a strong field from the U S and then having our international friends learn about just what a good quality, both of these events, what an amazing quality five stars they can access here in the States. It's just, I mean, I, it's a good time to be an American event thing for sure.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Well, we might as well touch on the last one. I mean, you don't usually win Kentucky. You you won Maryland. You do usually win the Pan Ams. Um, but you do usually win the team Pan Ams. I mean it personally, yeah. I love it is cool to see Canada as the you know, as the I know it maybe can't say it on a on a US podcast, but we kinda can because they are our friends.
1: Well there are members too. Like we have Canadian
3: <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly.
1: If, if ever, like Lou was saying, we so for us the Canadians are pretty much, you know, they're part of the U.S.E.A. So we for us, it's tough not to be excited for our can- Canadian, you know, Canadians who, who win the gold. I mean, obviously. So there's a background story D, that Lou knows I've been r- ramping on that. Actually, I can tie together successfully the Maryland Five Star Pan Ams and our grant programs and the success of all three. Right. So. <laughs> so at the maryland five star you have one leg there's also a west coast leg of the young event horse championships right and kind of a a stalwart you mentioned her earlier in that championship is carolyn pamuchku formerly martin carolyn's been making her name a name for herself even beyond like the you know the, the championship realms in in those young horse bringing up selling competing um young horses and she was one of our grant recipients of the whole camp turner award to go over to Lyon. Um, she also received just the uh, i think it was three years ago three years ago um our wilton fair award to get her overseas to train and compete and and educate herself so to see her and the horse that we sponsored through grants um to go to Lyon. To see them both take a Pan Am Gold was pretty amazing for our programs. And then to the same extent, the program that Lou ran for years, the the Rebecca Broussard International Developing Rider Grant had funded uh, uh, Sharon White, who was was on that team. um, And has, I mean, let's not forget, it funded Tammy Smith. Uh, That grant really kind of made a name for a lot of those riders who are now on the international scene. And, and Lee, you've got to take great pride in drawing that connection. I mean, essentially you're, oh, these yeah. metals feel it.
2: Yeah. And, and for more than anything, I mean, what we're seeing now are the, the fruits of the hard work that everybody at USCA, the whole community has been doing to really focus in on developing these grants. And Creating, what the grants have done is create the opportunities to develop better inventors. Um For instance, with the Becky grant, that when we started that out, that was the first grant that the writers actually had to apply themselves and just nominate yourself. No one could do it for you. And that was that small travel grant just to get you there for the interview um, for the, the bigger grant. And the whole purpose of that grant is it's not so much about the ribbon as what's your legacy going to be within the eventing community? Um, how are you going to give back to the sport and how are you going to get involved in the sport to make it better for the next generation? And so that's just one example of the grant. And yeah, I take a lot of pride in that one that, wow, we, we have the Tammy and the Sharons and the uh, the Carolyn Um that are all products of just having this opportunity to step up and and be, be the better eventer. And and kind of
1: going back to what you were talking about at the beginning, D, like our standards have raised. I mean, just you go back, when, again, when I was hired here 10 years ago, again, I've been very lucky to be here in the period I'm in now, but our standards were were back then. It was just, we, we felt like we couldn't catch a break. You know, 2018, the WEG home country and we failed to secure a spot to get in the Olympics was miserable. I'm not going to lie. And then, but now we get a silver and only barely got a silver (laughs) at the Pan Am games. And meanwhile, got an individual gold and, um, you know, at the, at the competition, it was like, For us, it just isn't good enough, you know, and Bobby Costello, everybody you've talked to, they, you know, from the team, they say the same thing. They're like, we want more. And, you know, we're hungry. We're hungry for that gold. We're hungry for a a Paris win. We're hungry to have everybody come to California in 2028. And, and for us to kind of, you know, show the world what we're made of.
3: We we joked Rob some time ago about being too big to be that bad like like that it that the amount of work that was going in couldn't last and it is you can apply that to marlin in terms of what went in to make it this you can apply it to um to so many micro moments across the u.s over so much like it is the, it is the the typical version of so many success having so many uh parents let's say like it, it is a it is a product of multiple, multiple years of building on things. But I, I was looking at like how we compare, I mean, Cooley Nutcracker with Liz Halliday's is, top is like top-rated nine-year-old in the world. Yeah. Um, but as you like, as you go through the top-rated horses in the world, like seven-year-old um HSH, Connor and and Caroline are there, when you go through I mean, we talk about Caroline and and the Pan Am Win when you when you look at the kind of various i suppose the stats and the ratings of the year you're not underdogs anymore like Germany are moving into a period of a little bit of transition where the u s cha- the the Olympic champ in uh, Amon de Bonneville feels unlikely to make it to Paris, which means actually that like Julia's bringing transitional horses Michael and fisher chipmunk have had rocky enough i mean they'll be right there they'll be jumping for a medal on the last day for you would expect all things going as you would expect them to go, but they haven't secured that. I mean, they've lost more moments in that in that final day or that final moment now than they've won. It feels like it's the US going into the challenging the Brits spot at Paris. Go back to that room, Rob, that we were in in 2018. Where did was the twenty? Was it the December 2018? There was that. Um, it was in. Uh, was it New Orleans? Orleans. Or was it, uh, yeah, it was New Orleans. I think. I think. And No, maybe it was the one before New Orleans. I think it might have been the one before New Orleans where um, the hotel was under construction at the time. Okay. It was like unexpected. Just as we arrived. Florida. It was in Florida. I'd never been to Florida. Everything was was, I just remember everything being huge. Like everything being extra big in Florida. I remember
1: Sam sitting up at the podium and basically consoling us. (laughs) It'll be okay
3: it was a, it was an amazing uh, it was an amazing moment because of where we are now it wasn't then it wasn't then but it was a moment of 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 god of of a low point as i look at them now no right like no rider in the world has more wins than than carline pamuchku um like 12 international wins like next in line is lara de leitterkirk of belgium and then next in line joint third is boyd martin and liz halliday that's globally like we're not in US stats anymore, like globally. Um, two of like in terms of just turning up volume of runs, Caroline and Boyd are both in the top five in the world, ahead of um, ahead of Izzy Taylor, ahead of Oliver Townend, ahead of Julia Kraevsky, riders that we used to talk about having the volume. Caroline and Boyd are operating at those. We know we feel that in that we see them big teams of horses traveling, but they're there, they're now you know third and fourth in the world in terms of volume of runs, like both of them over 50 international runs a year. When I started doing this, I think it used to be just book in the US who would sometimes get to 50. Yeah. Not yeah. not frequently like this, whereas now you've got that, like Caroline with 12 wins. And by the way, Liz did it for multiple years. Like Liz Liz was the, was the international winner in terms of number, in terms of volume of wins. Liz has been there for a long time. Most inside the times, like globally across all international levels caroline martin a second with 20 inside the time rounds she's 45 clear jumping rounds boyd martin has 28 show jumping clear rounds internationally only two people in the world have more than him and you can basically go through will like best dressage score in the world liz halliday 15.1 best finishing score liz halliday next best finishing score will coleman as you go through the riders and the horses globally there's there's stars and stripes all over the page I'm looking at, and that's that includes Michael and Oliver and all of the people that we watched win Kentucky and talked about those Europeans coming over. I don't think those Europeans are really coming over anymore in a way that maybe we once saw them. Um, and that I suppose comes back to Lou as you talk about the the small moments of um, the small moments of investing in people when we talk about the little Becky maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Where you've got to, you've got to see, um, you've it's got to see where that journey is going to take you.
2: Yeah, and it's and it's kind of opening their perspectives to beyond their barn door, you know. Yeah. And and it it lends to what all the stats that you've been giving is it. It's just very clear that United States is no longer this isolated island of a couple of inventors. Our perspective has changed from just doing it at home to going globally and getting out there. And our vision, I think that's one of the biggest changes that I've seen is that the vision of everybody in, uh, has expanded beyond your membership. It's, it's global. And the perspective has changed a little bit that, yeah, we're hungry. Um, we want to rule the world.
3: I don't I mean thinking of big Becky's and little Becky's and the anticipation that's in the room on a on a on a Saturday evening at convention as as we go through those awards and we, we wait for those those magic moments. I don't think there'd be anyone prouder of where the US uh, is now than Jimmy Wofford. Rob, it'll be a different it'll be a different Saturday night this year.
1: Yeah, it will be. I mean it's uh, so with the annual convention here in a couple days, um not having jimmy VRMC is going to be tough but jim jim wolf is going to step in jim is was practically like a son to jim wofford um so i know he'll do it ably well and it's it's funny because jimmy used to tell i was lucky to spend a fair amount of time with jimmy over the last decade or so and and clinic with him before that um but jimmy one of the things i hope really clearly remember him saying about when he he gave a really good talk that I believe you can find online still Um, he talked about the past present and future of U.S. eventing and kind of where we came from and you know he was open to admit look when we were actually incredibly competitive um, you go back to the 80s and the 70s there was only a few rider, a few American riders at the highest levels like And, and yeah, they were exceptionally good and they represented the country really well. But from a competitive standpoint, you know, we were completely dependent on the, the Bruce's, the, the Jimmy's, the, you know, the Mike Plums, Kevin Freeman, you know, there, there was a very small group, um, later Torrance Watkins and and then Karen O'Connor and David, but initially really we came from this, this really tiny pool I mean, our met, our organization started with 100 people. And, um, you know, today we've got, you know, tens of thousands, right, who are followers of this, hundreds hundreds of thousands of followers. But, you know, we've come from so much to the point now where, you know, what's so exciting is that depth, you know, and, and we're seeing the depth of riders, we're seeing the depth of horses. Even you go back 15 years or so, I mean, you, you mentioned it was, you would see Buck, Buck would make it, you know, Buck always had a number of horses going, you know. Later on, obviously, and and kind of concurrently, Philip Philip when he came to the U.S., you know, obviously he was a stalwart. Everybody knew Philip was here, you know, and he represented. And and Boyd kind of following in in Philip's footsteps, and now kind of you know I'd say um, equaling them. You know, it was such a small pool, but now I mean you know, again, I, there were legends I grew up with from the West coast. There were legends in the Midwest and now we're seeing the continuing concentration of, of that talent, the, the, the raising of the bar, you know, we are competitive across the world. Jimmy would have just been smiling ear to ear at Tammy's win. We, we honored him at Kentucky. We'll honor him this weekend. You know, we talk about Jimmy's impact on this sport I can't put it in words because he, he was really a mentor to me. And but yeah, he would love this.
3: He would have loved it. But I know as well from he was a great thinker of of the about the sport at a time, actually, when that kind of long format, slower thinking, um you know, not that it's in short supply, but people have less time to hear it all the time, you know, it, in an era where social media reels are grabbing your attention in that, you know, in that moment where it's kind of overloads your senses with you've got to look over here at the next thing i know from our own experience of um of jim like when he'd when we go to him with certain angles or stories he would really challenge us. he'd say yeah but have you thought about x or have you thought about y or how does it compare with then or how does it compare with now like he wasn't ever particularly saying you know remember i think as you say like i think he'd be as proud of this team and this time as he was of looking back to his own successes. What do you think he'd, what do you think he'd warn us of Rob? Because I mean, we certainly, as we go through these um, amazing stories of an amazing stats and amazing data and amazing moments um, from 2023, we don't want to, we don't want to take it for granted. I mean, we're on on the field. We're still chasing down one of the greatest British teams that we've seen. And while anything can happen, we're not quite, you know, we're not there as a US team. Like we've, we're still on a ladder, um, but either on or off the field. What, what do you think Jimmy would be saying to us as we look towards twenty twenty four? Like because it is, um, as we all know, Lou, it, Lou for you as well. We're on, we're on a journey. you know, we, we're not, um, we're not, uh, we're not, we're not going to arrive in Paris or arrive in LA or or at the next AECs or at the next Pan Ams or intercollegiates or at Aiken or Carolina or wherever we're going to start these seasons or ending as we did kind of in, you know, Nova and Tryon and all these moments, we don't land on them. You know, we have to put all those little micro steps in place. So what do you think he would, what do you think he'd be telling us to keep an eye on? Yeah.
1: So again, I had lots of coffee talks with Jimmy. Um, he would from my time starting here you he would uh, he he'd say okay come meet me at the coffee shop over here and and we'll sit down and we'll talk jimmy had a gift for the bigger picture for sure and the long term and and i know you know honestly it would stand, it, what he would say to me was fundamentally major issues that are under the radar but are things like land loss or the you know you know the inaccessibility to proper ground for cross country, right? Um, things like the social license to operate, w- whether the public will continue to allow us to, you know, essentially ride a horse and, you know, in, in competition, will, will a society detached from that on a routine basis, allow us to continue to do this sport. We love so much safety, you know, he will, will we be able to raise the bar to the point where we are we are not a headline in the new york times or whatever that we are not a headline that is is a negative headline about uh, horse welfare right these are the things he would have kind of reminded us of the, the real big picture and pushed us and kept pushing us to secure the land you know care for the horse care for the rider Um, educate the population because candidly, you know, we, we have lost not just the U S all across the world. We have lost the connection to the land and the land and the horse and the, you know, that, that kind of um, that husbandry, you know, we need to, uh, you know, refresh it. We need to reinvigorate it. And that is kind of one of the core purposes of our association, right? The, The grassroots training of our riders, our, you know, the the care of our horses, the things that that Lou and our previous presidents have been so animated about. These are the things I think Jimmy would have reminded us of. And if you put those in place, it can lead to eventual success. But again, it's the bigger picture beyond that one medal.
3: Lou, had you any or much interaction with, with Jimmy over the years?
2: What he said? <laughs> um, yeah. I did. Um, uh, Walford was very um generous. And every president, he's always sent um, a handwritten letter to them saying, I'm I'm here um, as your advisor, just give me a call or uh, text me. And um, those interactions with him were profound for me. And he's just that legend. And I, I appreciated his graciousness to allow me the insight of his wisdom and going forward in the bigger picture of what eventing is. You know, eventing is more than the sport that we're talking about it's it transcends so many different parts of people's lives and what it is what what rob said (laughs) (laughs) be mindful of the bigger picture but um you know the details matter that he he was really good about reminding me that the details mattered too
3: it's going to be um i'm conscious there's already been a being a podcast on convention but every time we think of convention it holds such a special place in the calendar because actually lou as you as you as you talked about with west coast event and it is a time when actually one of very very few times that people gather without their horses and without and without the rush when people are actually able to sit and chat and talk and i think in a year um well you know, very few years pass without um, without someone significant to our eventing world passing. And actually, there's been some great memories shared. But I think convention is a time when we as an eventing community um, and the eventing community in the US will be able to come together. And I think this week and this weekend, there'll be a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of great Jimmy stories told. Finally, um is right thing we're particularly looking forward to as we move towards the uh, as we move towards 2024 we've got um we're in a time of the year where i don't really feel ready for you know motivational 2024s you know i think as soon as you hit the 1st of january nobody wants to talk about 2023 anymore it's not a time for looking back but i think fully up until you know up until uh at least Christmas, and hopefully that kind of dead zone after Christmas, you're allowed only look back. But as a very early, and we won't hold you to it um, piece, is there anything in particular um, about 2024 that, that you're looking forward to? Rob, I'll start with you.
1: I love the classic series. I'm not going to lie. Class- so I'm going to give two, and it's a cheater to always do this and throw out more than one, but I love the classic series. And even though we just finished really the classic series, uh, so the, the traditional long format competitions that are now really experienced from preliminary and below, I always love the our local fall um, classic three-day and so for me, I, I hate to admit this, but like I go to Maryland, but what I'm really, and, and it's fantastic, but what I really look forward to is going and helping at the vet box there or at Rebecca. Um, so for me, I, I just, it kind of reinvigorates me about the horsemanship and, and kind of love for the sport, people helping out each other. Um, so, I, you know, I'll always look forward to that. And then actually the introduction of recognized starter, the level of starter in the U.S., I'm pretty sure it's gonna be pretty it's gonna be a lot of fun to have to have a starter leaderboard, to have a starter division at the American Eventing Championships. Um again, we joke that our founders might have rolled in their grave to because they were maybe opposed to the idea of, of lower levels, but candidly it's it's this access to the sport that that's so important, both for the new horses to the sport as well as the new people to the sport. So for me, yeah, that's those really are. Kind of high points I'm looking
3: forward to. What about you, Lou? Is rioting that stands out?
2: Yeah, as you're sitting there talking about uh, up to the the new year, um, that we we look to the past, but it's <laughs> yeah. like I haven't I haven't really thought about it.
3: I, I know I feel the same. <laughs> I, I feel the it. exact same. <laughs> what,
2: it's, it's what, one of those uh, January second. That's when I'll start thinking about it.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of our massive one of our massive. Eventing uh, supporters, uh, uh, an adult amateur out of Colorado named Reed Ayers said something online the other day, social media that I love. Someone was talking about 2024 and something coming up in 20 or actually it was somebody said that they just competed in the first competition of the 2024 U.S. eventing season. Because, yes, there actually have been a couple of December competitions and Reed Ayers came back and said, you know, the USCA and eventing. They may not understand the calendar, but we aren't technically in 2024 yet. (laughs) Let's finish up 2023 and then let's start talking about
2: that. Yeah, no, but I do have to say that um, from both ends of the sport, I I am looking forward to watching, um, have my bag of popcorn out, watching the competitions leading up to Paris, the venue at Paris. That is going to be spectacular and i'm looking forward to to watching that and then on the other end of it the the access to the sport that uh, rob was alluding to with the starter division i am i am looking forward to that very much to to see um more people have access to it and have fun just just go out there and have fun with your horse
3: yeah absolutely i think there's there's so much in it i mean it actually makes it so much easier you know you you go through the different elements of that that we've touched on from um, from starters, you know, if you working back through what we touched on on the call, big Becky's, little Becky's, and and that Saturday night of recognition of what happens in the in the year across all of the different divisions and levels. Um, you go back further, and you actually think it, it, it makes it so easy to promote and be proud of eventing through all the way back to classics, Rob. When you're able to celebrate, you know, a, a Kentucky win, a resurgent. U.S. team, a happy U.S. team, by the way, which like happy owners, happy trainers, multiple people contributing to it, like Mixmaster C, Rob. Like after years and years of you wearing that t-shirt on these pods, that you know we're all finally sitting in the back and being like, "Yeah, Mixmaster Mix C." Um, and it, it makes it a uh, it makes yeah we're able to kind of complete that loop. I think much easier when you've got success at the top and then participation, healthy participation all the way through. And I think also, Rob, from your point of view, a team alongside you, you mentioned your own kind of 10-year anniversary, and I know you've had multiple partners and and um, and people around you in your team over the years to, to make all that success and all of those journeys happen. But as you look just at 2023, just in terms of your own small competition team around you, there's been a huge amount of people in the office who've contributed to telling these stories across the across the kind of the introduction of Starter through to a Kentucky or Aachen or or, the, or those big Pan Am moments.
1: My pitch this year, I've, I've, I have a CEO report that I get to do during our annual meeting of members every year. And my main pitch this year is just, our incredible staff, you know, from our media team, who don't get any credit, Megan DeLille and, um, and Lindsay Barrett and the contractors that support them across the country and, and actually internationally as well. Um, and then our entire team, you know, we have a fantastic team and I'll say we have half the staff of other, most organizations, our size, especially equestrian organizations. Um, and yet our team is just, we are very, if if you can't operate at a very high level, you usually don't last very long with the USCA. So it is, it's, it's tough. It's, I will say it's a lot of work and our team is absolutely fantastic. And actually one of my, one of the longest, actually the longest term member of our staff, uh, our senior director of competition, Sharon Gallagher is retiring in March of 2024 Um, And she'll be succeeded by uh, Hannah Siegel. But Sharon, I mean, a legend, you know, just has been looked to by so many people in the sport for so many years. We couldn't have done it without Sharon. We couldn't do it without people like Hannah. Um, this It's a fantastic team. Lou is incredibly great at recognizing that as are, you know, so many of our members. So I really appreciate you bringing that up, Dee.
3: No, a pleasure. We get to work with them a small bit um, from the from the pods through to the shows, and um, yeah, it's always been it's always been a pleasure. Uh, okay, thank you both. I mean, Nicole will be horrified. She, there's lo- I can I'm looking at her agenda that she WhatsApp me, and there's loads of things on it that I've just ignored, <laughs> uh, but but it's not because they're not deserving or worthy of discussion. But honestly, if if we start getting into the depths of our moments of the year and our breakthroughs of the year. Where honestly you have to lock the doors. No one is, no one is leaving. But um, but hopefully yeah. there'll be lots of other there'll be lots of other chances for us to do it. So Rob, thank you for the time and uh, and best of luck this week. And and Lou likewise, thank you so much for for joining us and uh, good luck, good luck this week. I can vouch. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.